and read again verses 14 to 16 as we seek to draw to a conclusion the fifth part of City on a Hill. And hopefully, um, if you've not been with us, you'll be able to just bed into the message this morning and that the passion of this morning is that we would just really get what God is doing. So Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he was sat by a hillside speaking to people that were expecting one thing and he brought another. They were wanting political upheaval and Jesus brought a completely different kingdom. He said, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden or hid. Neither do people uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bushel. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the home. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'll come to it in a moment, but the, 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 in terms of why we, we've done what we've done over these few weeks, but there, there's that little phrase almost hidden away uh, in verse 14, where God not only speaks, indi- uh, sorry, Jesus not only speaks individually in the context of the Sermon on Mount, but on occasions draws people together. And here's, here's a collective statement that you are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And over the last four weeks, we've talked about the city call, the call to be what Jesus has determined us to be. Christian talked about city planning, and planning helps progress. We looked at city services, the A to Z of the ministry of the church that reaches out with a servant heart to a needy world. And last week, we thought about city authorities. Authorities from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 that are against us in the heavenly realm the spiritual realm, and services that are for us. And we most operate as a city with authority when we understand the principle of coming under God's authority. That's how it works. Not a binding thing, but a releasing and liberating principle over our hearts. And I I, I say it again, that there are communities of people, Christians, that are seeking to express authority, and it's not working. Because they're not coming under the lordship, the authority of God and his word. And so fifthly, this morning, to finish off, we want to talk for a few moments about city characteristics. City characteristics. You are the light of the world. You may remember right at the beginning of January, seems a long time ago in one sense, but not so long ago in another, that Christians spoke here about standing out and shining. And uh, that was really the prophetic uh, momentum for Arena Church in 2015. That we'd stand out and shine and see more conversions, people coming out of the darkness into light, finding Jesus. Thank God that's happened. That we'd see more small groups growing. Thank God that's happening. That we'd see increased community impacts, both here and also uh, in, uh, in Mansfield. And again, we thank God. We want to see more, but we thank God for what we've seen. And we don't want ever to not praise him for his goodness. And I was reminded this week that in order for us to do that, not only in terms of the leadership of the church, but everyone that's part of it, we have to be resilient and persistent in our pursuit of God, our passion to see people come to him that have never yet found him, and we pray for them this morning, and to, 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 to also continue to grow in God's grace. And... We need to do that because most churches, in fact, I would suggest that every church starts like that, whatever its denomination. Every church starts out, friends, 
by wanting to make a difference, by wanting to see people come to faith. They may plant in a town, in a city, on a housing estate, in a village. But when they're planted, they're planted with a passion. Here's the interesting thing, that over a period of time, many, many churches, through their attitudes, through their actions, and their, through their confessions, move from mission to stand out and shine to simply maintenance. How can we keep the church going? I read this book, it's uh, not the book I'm reading at the moment, I'll refer to that a little bit later, but I read this book a couple of weeks ago, it's called Mission Drift. It's written by a couple of American guys that run a significant uh, American charity, and uh, they're also passionate about the local church, Pete Greer and Chris Horse. And the book's written on the premise of this, that Mission Drift is the natural course for any organization or church. And it takes focused attention to safeguard against it. In other words, whether it be a church, an organization, a company, whatever, the, the, the natural course of events is that most of us drift away from the original intention of why we started. And it takes focused attention to safeguard against it. So this church in its various guises and forms has actually been around this town for many years. But we need to be thankful, friends, that we live in a day where as leaders and as people, we've got a focused attention not to drift away from the reason we're here, but actually to move more towards it. And that is to stand out and shine, to see people built up in the faith and come to the Lord. And by God's grace, he'll continue to help us to do that. And of course, it gets summed up in those little phrases of to go and grow and to love and serve our community. So city characteristics. And I want to mention just a few this morning as we conclude and wrap up what we're doing. You see, cities of the earth are sometimes known for a particular reason. They may be known for their architecture. There were people this summer that would be traveling to cities to study its architecture. They may be known for their arts. They may be known for their politics. They may be known for their sport. Melbourne, in Australia, a city they've had the privilege of going to. Wow, it's incredible for its sport. Aussie rules football, rugby, football. The stadium's all over the place. If you like your sport, you want to live in Melbourne. And so, and so cities are known for different things. <clears throat> But the vital element of any city is people. You see, a city that's deserted does not stand out and shine. So the vital element of any city is people. And in the spiritual, it's exactly the same. You are not called to solitary confinement. You are not called to a cave to watch God TV and say, that's my church. You are called to community. You are called to be part of a city. And I'll say this, friends, very carefully. No Christian will ever realize their full purpose in God by sitting outside of community. You are not called to do it on your own. You are not called to be individualistic. You are called to a city. You are called to belong to other people. So I'm going to move through these quite quickly, but here's five characteristics of the city on the hill. 
Number one, diversity. Differences. Variety. Not uniformity, but multiformity. Aren't you glad, friends, that you're not all like you? And you're not all like me. But you are you, and we need you. We need your temperament. We need your personality. We need your gift. We need your journey. We need your experience. We need you. Many people, friends, don't come to church. And one of the reasons they don't come to church is because they don't think that they're needed, and you are needed. And if you're on a journey to faith, you've got a vital part to play in the city. You Diversity. Let me mention just two or three things about diversity. Diversity generationally. We need a multi-generational expression of the city. Because cities have babies. And babies keep getting born. And we need babies naturally. And we need babies spiritually. To keep getting born into the kingdom. We need young people. We need families. We need senior citizens that bring wisdom and character and maturity and insight. We need all of those people. I've heard people confessing from platforms that they don't want old people in the church anymore. You won't hear it here. We need the senior citizens of the city to bring what they bring. And we need to be careful, friends, what we confess. Because churches that have drifted for mission sometimes started through a Sunday school. And 20 years later, they're saying, you know, kids, they get on our nerves in the church. They're always making a mess. They're spilling things on our nice new carpet. And when you keep confessing that, guess what happens eventually? You don't have any kids. You don't have any new babies. You don't have anybody coming through. And it dries up and the pipeline stops. There are churches all around us, friends, that are perpetuating church. And there is no future to them because there's no expression of the diversity of generations. So we thank God for babies in the church. We thank God for kids. We thank God for Arena Kids Church. We thank God for young people. We thank God for everybody in the church. Diversity generationally, diversity in gifting. Don't have time to go there this morning. We talked about it quite a bit in week three. But we're not all gifted the same. And the challenge is for you to find the bullseye of your expression of the gift in the body of Christ. And then function in it. In Jesus' name. It might be on the platform. It might be off the platform. It might be high profile. It might be low. It doesn't matter. And we need diversity of groups. And thank God for the journey of small groups. But we've got TMP. We've got Universal. We've got Arena Kids. We've got Loose Women. We've got subplots to the city. It doesn't mean that the city gathers together every time together. But it expresses the city all of the time. And in all of that, friends, the city works best in unity from its diversity. In 2011, around about this time of the year, you may remember turning on your TV sets, and it seems though people wanted to set London on fire. The riots. 3,000 people were arrested, and damage to property was estimated at over £200 million. There was a dislocation of relationship. I'm not going into the reasons for it or the reasons why it may have happened. But Jesus said a house or a city divided against itself cannot stand. That's why that within our diversity, we must always be passionate about our unity. And you need to realize that the enemy will always try and bring division to the city. Because he knows a house divided against itself 
will never stand. Disunity, friends, brings shadow and cloud over the city. It doesn't stand out and shine. Disunity prevents us from being what God intended us to be. So we must all of us be vigilant to keep a spirit of unity. If it goes wrong with somebody, put it right. If you get offended, get over it. If there's something that's skewed out of way, then be at one with somebody again. Unity. Unity does not mean, friends, that we never have a disagreement. Unity means how do we process our disagreements in maturity to protect unity. Number one. Number two, distinctiveness. A city on a hill that cannot be hit. We are called to be different. Not weird. Not odd. Not strange. Not weird. Not eerie. But different. Unapologetically and unashamedly different. Why do we want to be like the world that's messing itself up? Why do we want to be indistinguishable from darkness that's wrecking people's lives? We are called to shine. We are called to live differently. We are not to be called, friends, to be submerged by this culture. And all the shifts that are taking place within it, we are called to be a distinguishable presence in this present age. City brings imposition onto its society. It's there to be reckoned with. It has an impact. There are people going to Christian on a regular basis because they know that this church, through leadership, is seeking to bring a difference And they're asking how we can help us. So difference, friends, comes from within. Difference doesn't come because of strangeness or oddity. It doesn't come, friends, when we're always shouting about what we're against. Because if we're always shouting about what we're against, nobody will listen to what we're for. But when we're for things, when we're for people, when we're for the change of our community, when we're for its blessing, then it brings a distinctiveness that people will be drawn to. Three, dynamism. A city, a great city has dynamism, pace, noise, energy, vibrancy, color, growth. You may naturally be saying, you know, I don't like going to Nottingham. I don't like going to Derby. The cities. Oh, London. Oh, London. I can't wait to get out of London. You need to be careful what you carry in your spirit. If that's how you live in the natural. Because you're called to be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. And you are called to be vibrant. And you need to be careful, friends, that you don't allow in the natural to press down what you are called to be in the spiritual. Vibrancy, friends, is not exhibitionism. It's not even extrovert. It's not meaning that you've got to be what you're not. But it does mean that you carry something of the life of God. Vibrancy. I like living in a village. I like living in a town. I'd never want to be living in the middle of a city. You're called to a city, a city on a hill. You're called to live there and dwell there. God's looking for city dwellers. That's what he's looking for. And we have to be so careful that we don't allow the natural to impose itself on the spiritual. Now, this can be expressed in different ways. I'm going to try and illustrate at the moment that it doesn't mean that you've got to be something that you're not. But I said to Christian... I was away a week last Tuesday. How did Dan Blythe get on? Oh, we're great. And then he told me. Thought if it's good enough for Dan Blythe. <laughs> Never mind about that. How about that? 
Volvo Diesel. That's the other crew, man. Dan Blythe, yes. Bill Pye, no. Unless you forgot, I'm getting old. Unless you forgot, I am 60. But here's the words of an 85-year-old in the Bible. His name's Caleb. I'm still as strong as when I set out. Just as vigorous to go and do battle now as then. Now give me this hill country. See, it's not about age, it's about attitudes. It's about a youthful spirit. Christian said to me a couple of years ago, what did you get from Phil Pringle at the conference? Well, there was occasions when he wound me up because of his gift. But there were two things I got from Phil Pringle. One, a great impartation of faith. And the other was a youthful spirit, 62 years of age, and passionate for the kingdom. And when I was 20-odd, 60 seemed incredibly old. So guys, I get it. Okay. <laughs> But don't rob me of my youthful spirit. That doesn't mean I'm wearing baseball hats. And don't worry, while I'm on holiday, I'm not going to get a tattoo either. Okay, so. <laughs> or shall I? No. <laughs> it's called being inked. You see, it doesn't work. I don't have to walk around in that. Dan's Dan, Phil's Phil. But what all of us need is a vibrancy of spirit because we are called to be part of the city. And if I can say it respectfully, some of you young people need to make sure you don't get old before your time. And forever telling us what you can't do. If you can't do it now, when you, how are you going to do it when you get my age? The vibrant city of God, a youthful spirit, friends, that is so attractive and winsome that when people walk through that door, they think, wow. And I love the older people of our church that carry a youthful spirit. I'm looking over them now. And they're more encouraging, and you are more encouraging than you ever realize because of your passion for life and for God. And keep being who you are. Number four, development. Things in cities change. Those of you that know Not Nottingham and Derby well will know that over the years things have changed, things get demolished. If you go down Talbot Street at the moment and pass the student accommodation and then the church, you'll go to the right-hand side, what used to be Talbot House, those of you that know Nottingham well, they're knocking it down. Yeah. Knocking it. Things get demolished. Why do they get demolished? Because they're not working anymore. And there are things that we erect in church that we never have the guts to knock down. And they're finished. Things that need to be demolished. Things, new roads get laid. If you go to a city that you think you know well and then you go back a year later and all of a sudden you don't, you realize you didn't, you don't know it as well as you thought you know it. Because they've changed the road system. There's a one-way system coming somewhere. Where's that come from? And so it goes on. Over a time, cities are not what they were. And this is a good thing. This church is not named what it was years ago. It's not in the same building as it was years ago. It's changed and evolved. Friends, that's a good thing. And churches that move for mission drift start in passion but don't understand the generational things that are taken around them and forever run back to how they started. 
rather than what God has called them to be. And so things never get demolished. New roads are never built. New buildings are never erected. And things never change. And the whole thing goes to a sleepy death. We are called to development. You see, without it, redevelopment and repurpose become impossible. And keep us committing or stop us committing to all that God's intended us to be. So we need to develop. You need to develop. You need to be different this time next year to what you are now. You need to allow God to continue to build in your life. You need to ask him this morning, is there anything, Lord, that you need to demolish in me? Any attitudes? Any mindset? Any tradition? Anything that's getting in the way? Anything that's rising up, Lord, against you that you need to knock down? You need to continually develop because then we'll all continually develop. I was at Mattersea recently and an old retired minister came to me. I'd not seen him around anything for six or seven years. And his first question was, where's the old God? I won't mention his name. I says, we've all moved on. We're developing. Assemblies of God is not what it was, even though some people would like it to be. Thank God. And nor is Arena Church. Nor is Arena Church. And for people that have been around Arena Church a long time, that may be a particular challenge to you. But I encourage you to keep going with it. And keep allowing God to develop all that he wants to do in Jesus' name. And fifthly, durability. Durability. Resilient. Indomitable. This September sees the 75th anniversary of the London Blitz. And between September 1940 and May 1941, there were one million homes damaged and over 40,000 people killed as bombs were dropped on our nation at a regular basis. We could even have people here that maybe could relate back to some of those stories. If I mention these numbers, 9-11, what do you think of? Well, let me take you back to that gorgeous early autumn September day of September the 11th, 2001, when crazed fanatics drove two airline planes into the Twin Towers of New York, over 3,000 people killed and countless other people, mums and dads, wives, children, grandchildren, impacted forever. I want to say, friends, that both of those cities have emerged into their future. Not without pain, not without heartache, not without a lot of hard work and great durability. But London is not defined by the Blitz. And New York is not defined by 9-11 in terms of its infrastructure. It has moved into its future. As I mentioned last week, if we want to arise to be the authentic city of God that God has called us to be, don't be surprised at times as we think about the authorities against in Ephesians 6 that some bombs get dropped on us. Because if you think the enemy's just going to say, there you go, arena. You just, take, you just take your community. You just take your town. You just take the M1 corridor, then we're dreaming. And this past week, we've been in a church that's seen amazing growth over the last 14 years. But on the very season that they're opening their new building, a viral email went round every recipient in the city of Birmingham, Alabama, to tell the people that that church was a cult. And the very, very strong leader for a moment nearly lost it because a bomb got dropped on the church to stop it being what God had intended it to be. And it may be this morning, friends, that you feel there's been a bomb dropped on your life. We want to stand with you. And Josh led us in prayer this morning to do just that. There are occasions, friends, when bombs get dropped on the church. Something gets out there about, oh, that arena church. Oh, that arena church. Oh, that arena 
You need to see it for what it is. It's spiritual. It's a battle for the authorities of the heavens to stop us being what God has destined us to be. Can we find a people that will be durable, resilient, indomitable, that will rise again to be all that God has called us to be? I've been reminded of this in the book I am reading at the moment. I've finished that one. It's a book I'm reading on Kindle. You'd be proud of me, Chris. There is a story to it. You see, somebody gave me an Amazon book voucher for my birthday. I thought, somebody recommended this book. I thought, I'll order it. And then in my ham-fistedness, I ordered it rather like that, which I like. I ordered it on Kindle. And realized that you couldn't reverse it. And when I went on to Kindle, I thought, that's where that Max Licardo book went from six months ago. That I thought got lost in the post. I'd ordered that on Kindle as well. And weirdly, it's not been as bad an an experience as I thought it would be. The book is called Leadership Pain by Samuel Chand. And he rolls in encouraging statements like, making friendship with pain is part of your leadership. If you think that's bad, if you're leading, you're bleeding. Ooh. But then he quotes Charles Kingsley, a great author, and says, pain is no evil unless it conquers us. And we'd love to say, friends, in Arena Church, that there'll be no pain that ever comes to us, but it does. And we understand it, and prayer requests come in, and conversations have had. That people open up their hearts, some family situations that press in, and things that go wrong. But friends, it's only evil when it conquers us. And you've heard this morning about how Jesus has given us the victory, and therefore we can be steadfast in him. Resilient, durable, courageous, victorious. That's the city on the hill. And so as we come to a close, I want to quote a hymn by John Newton. No, it's not amazing, Grace. But some of you know Newton's story. He, if we can put it in a modern context, earned a living on human trafficking, the slave trade. And the amazing grace of God invaded his life. Friends, if God can save him, he can save you. And in a moment, Christian's going to give an opportunity for anybody that's never yet begun the journey to respond. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But he also wrote another great hymn amongst many. And those of you that like your sport, when Germany line up, at a football match or whatever sporting occasion the team's involved in, their great national anthem rings around. And we've got a hymn to that tune. Here's the first verse. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion, city of our gods. He whose word cannot be broken. Poured for you, for, for more, formed for you his own abode. On the rock of ages founded. Who can shake the sure repose? With salvation's wall surrounded, they may smile at all the foes. I think John Newton saw the city. Cities of God, friends, are not decreasing, but increasing. They're not diminishing, they're growing. They're not stagnant, they're vibrant. And here's a final quote from an African church leader. He says, if the church is hiding, who will know? If we put a 
cover over our light, friends. Who's going to know? There are people that went out on a bender last night and this morning they've said, if there's a God there, God, will you come and help me? I can't carry on with this. I can't keep living like this. And they're still on the journey, friends, to find him faith. And they need a city that will stand bright on the hill that they can be drawn to and find Jesus that will change their life forever. So let's continue to rise to the call. And this morning I call children, we call children, to the city. We call an emerging generation through Universal, through the meeting place, through however our young people operate and express their ministries. We call them to the city. We call broken families back to the city. We call people aged in years to the city. We call the prodigals back to the city. We call those that have never yet found Jesus to the city on the hill that cannot be hid. We call every person that counts Arena Church as their home to rise up and respond to the call. We want to engage in city planning because it helps us make progress. We want to give ourselves to city services across the A to Z of the spread of serving God's heart and finding our redemptive purpose. We want to give ourselves to expressing the city under authorities, realizing there are authorities that stand against us, but they're utterly neutered under the authority that sits over our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we want to give ourselves to the characteristics that make a city work. It's diversity in unity. It's distinctiveness that stands out in a changing, shifting world. It's dynamism of a youthful spirit. It's development where things are knocked down that others might be built. And it's durability that says whatever bombs are dropped on us will always arise up and be what God has called us to be. Our will, friends, our nation, our towns that we represent through Arena Church don't need us to shrink back. They don't need a church that will be hiding so they cannot know. They need a church that rises up in these days and understands that God has called us to stand out and shine. And we best stand out and shine when we understand what it means to be a city on a hill.